What's going on, family? And welcome to another edition of the Rise to It podcast, your home for personal and professional development. My name is Jonathan Hernandez, a.k.a. the letter H. And with us today, we got our boy, Mr. Andre Covington. We got Mr. Frankie Leo behind the camera today. But we want to get right into our very, very special guest, ABC 30 news slash anchor slash family member. Miss Brittany Jacob. Thank you so much for joining us today, Brittany. Thank you so much. Oh, what is going on? Nice. What is going on? I like these bells. That was really nice. There a nice little touch. Can I ring it? You can go for it. Right. We gotta go there. there we go. Brittany's in the house. <laughs> it's when you fall asleep. We, we hit you with that right in your okay. ear. So don't, right. don't nod off. All right. Not sleepy over here today, though. That's what I'm talking awesome. about. Brittany, I know it's been a minute, man. We've been connecting for about a year and a half, two years now, trying to get you on the show. I know your schedule is absolutely bonkers, but what's been up with you? Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is so awesome. I love everything about this. Um, man, it is. Scheduling has been crazy. I mean, it's just been, you know, in, in the TV news industry, um, as a African-American female in the Central Valley, I mean, there's Black History Month, there's Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, day, there's there were the holidays. There's there's crime. There's just there's a lot. There's a lot. So it I've been busy. Yeah, we're gonna be unpacking a lot of that today in today's episode. But we also want to know who is Brittany Jacob for maybe some viewers that are checking out our show. Who is Brittany Jacob? Maybe talk about your upbringing, where you're from. I know you've traveled all across the country, so maybe a little bit of background about yourself. All right. So who is Brittany Jacob? Well, she's this girl. No, I, I, I'm not talking third person, but I'm originally from Houston, Texas and uh, went to Howard University. And um, I'm a proud member of um, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority oh, Incorporated. You okay. And, you know, we recently had our Founders Day celebration. And so this is more than 100 years in the making. It's a sorority. Wow. Man, it's a it's a. Good time during collegiate years, but look, it's a lifetime commitment. So we are still doing the work in the community. Uh, definitely decided that I wanted to do journalism a little later than I anticipated, but did go to school for journalism. Moved to Illinois, the middle of nowhere, okay, to okay. pursue my career, and then got an opportunity here in Fresno, California, in the Central Valley. And I was like, wait, What's, where's that? Yeah. I'm not going to offend anybody, but I just, I came from Houston. Right, I lived H-town. on the East Coast. Yes. So when they said Central Valley, most people who don't live on the West Coast know of Los Angeles and the Bay Area, San Francisco. And so I had to really learn the Central Valley. So that was amazing. It's been amazing. The farmers that I've met mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. and just the amazing people here. It's like no other in California. But ultimately, I'm just a, a Southern belle just trying to pursue my dreams. And because we don't really have a song in the Central Valley. Like, I love L.A. That was a right. song, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got all the rappers talking about it. So but Central Valley, we don't really have a theme song that really stands out globally. Right. You know, where anyone could like be anywhere and be like, oh, yeah, I'd heard about that place. But you do have a Fresno, Texas. 
We do, and my family lives in Fresno, Texas. Oh, so you're okay. not yes. unfamiliar with the name. Fresno, <laughs> yeah. right. As a matter of fact, the lady at the mail at USPS was like, hey, your mail says Fresno, Texas. Did you mean mm. to put that? I said, yeah, <laughs> that's a real place, and my family actually lives in Fresno, Texas. So it was fate. Family. It was fate to bring you to Fresno, California. <laughs> that's great, man. It's so crazy. There's two Fresnos out there. <laughs> that's awesome, and you experienced both, right? And I've experienced both. That's excellent. Excellent. Brady, I know we were going to be talking about your college experience because I know you left home. You left, left H-Town to go to D.C., which is a big jump. But before we get into that, talk about the Brittany that was in elementary school, in middle school, in high school. What was the childlike version of Brittany Jacob? She was bossy, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> she also. was a, a future boss in the making, truly. That's what my mom would say. Um, and I didn't see that personality until my mom told me stories. But I was the kid who... I wanted to create a classroom and I wanted to be the teacher. I also was very quirky. I was, I was, I went to a performing arts high school and I was always in theater. And so I was very much so comfortable in who I was at an early age. And I was not, I wouldn't say that I was the most popular kid. I was well known, but I didn't, popularity and the things that came with popularity weren't cool to me. It was cool to be genuine and authentic and being yourself. And I I was just very true to myself at such a young age. And so whether it was theater or dance, any type of performing arts, that's that's who I was. I was the girl in church in the church choir and also, you know, saying speeches in front of the entire church. So I was I was I was true to myself. So were the teachers teachers pet or were you kind of in the background? Oh my gosh, y'all, I was not a brown. I did, I, I don't want to confess to being a brown noser. That was not me, <laughs> but I was the line leader. I was a line leader okay. up until fifth grade. I was the line leader. You held the title. You wasn't even trying to give it up. <laughs> Let someone else lead the line, Brittany. <laughs> I was like, I don't like it being in the, I don't know if it's claustrophobia or something. I don't like being in the back. I want to, I need to be able to see where we're going. So whether figuratively or literally, I felt like I was always a leader and mm. stepping up to the plate. Now, did you lead a song in the choir? Now, okay, Andre. You now, know see, I can't now, see. well, it didn't stop me okay. from leading a song in the choir. Tell I just me had about to, that. Well, I had to just find the right song. I used to always tell our choir director, she goes, Andre, I want you to sing. I said, Well, you got to find the right song for, right. for my voice. And, and one day she did, and I sang it, and I actually, uh, that was the first time I was put in the front. And I think it helped me with later doing stand up comedy. Because what happened, I, you know, I had a lot of shyness growing up. It took a lot of things to get me out of that. It really took a village because it took my aunt making me read in front of her in the living room because I didn't have, I had a phobia of reading in front of class. It took my choir director, Sister Dorothy Thompson, to give me a lead song. And we did a lead song. I did my first time singing that song was at the Paramount Theater on like National Choir Day in Oakland, California. With first? all First time. With all the top black choirs in in all of California there, and um and I I guess they said I tore it up. So that was, <laughs> he ate people, it up, y'all. <laughs> people got saved, and the preacher was preaching. No, it was a uh, it was a moment. So, but then later in life, um, I was in the Barry Black Comedy Competition, and I made it to the finals. And the finals were at the Paramount Theater. So it kind of life goes full circle, you know. And opening up for some other acts was at. So I always felt comfortable there, you know. At, I didn't win, but um, I had a really good time there. And I, the fact that I did really well, but, you know, it was just an experience, yeah. you know. 
But yeah, so you, next time you get an opportunity to lead the choir, you jump on in there, Brittany. They already asked me at church, and I was <laughs> like, y'all, this voice was meant for maybe TV or radio, but not for leading a choir. That I don't know if people are going to be saved that way. It's not my voice. <laughs> is, it, is it alto, soprano? I, it wasn't alto. alto I'm okay. a chorus. I've yeah. been in musicals, and mm-hmm. so I can blend in. Yeah. I just am not a leader for, I'm not a song leader, no. All right, all right. Hey, all right. you got to know your strength. Know your strength. Exactly. Your strength. Speaking of the knowing your strength, I know you went from, again, H-Town, where you're comfortable, where you're born and raised. You got family and friends in there. And then you took that leap. You went to the front of the line, if you will, like you did in fifth grade, and dipped out to Washington, D.C. for college. Explain that experience. Was there a lot of culture shock there for you? Did you have anybody there that was maybe friends, colleagues that you went to school with? Like, how was it? Or did you start brand new? That's a good question. So I promote uh, college tours. And so when I was in high school, my mom got me on a black college tour. When I say black, I mean a historically black college and university, an HBCU. And I knew, uh, let's just back up a little bit. I was, I got, we're going to be real, right? We're going to yeah, be honest. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was really like that token black kid in school. I was one of the only black, I would say maybe I can count on my hand, maybe a, a one hand of um, African-American students in the schools that the, the middle school that I went to. And, and so I, even in going to high school and performing arts, high school was a very small population. And we, I had grown up kind of acclimating to society uh, to a predominantly Caucasian society, which was, it taught me a lot, but when I wanted to go to college, I wanted to dive deeper into who I am as a black woman, more into the black diaspora, more into, you know, who, who are my ancestors? Who came before me? Whose shoulders am I standing on? And I thought that Howard University or an HBCU in general was going to do that. It was going to give me the opportunity to do that. And so the black college tour trip, I mean, we got on a bus in high school with a whole bunch of other cool kids from Houston. And we literally went from like, we went to um, uh, Georgia and Florida and Norfolk state Bethune Cookman and, um, we went to Hampton and Howard. Oh my goodness. We traveled so across the entire U.S., mainly on the East Coast, to see so many HBCUs. And my eyes were open after that, y'all. I was like, there is more past Texas. And I got a lot of opportunities for college in Texas, UT. And uh, my family wanted me to stay in Texas. But I, you know, there's that itch. There's that just that curiosity that I wanted to explore. And that college tour trip was what initially got me going. And uh I walked onto Howard's campus and I was like, this is it. This is the Mecca. This is where I want to be. And on top of that, the, a lot of the sororities and fraternities that were established in the early 1900s, like the, uh, the Deltas, the AKAs, the Al- well, the Alphas were technically at Cornell, but, um, you know, there were so many fraternities and sororities that were established on Howard's campus back in the day in the early 1900s. And I was like, yeah, this is it for me. I want to walk the same paths and go to the same classrooms and buildings that people who were leading women's suffrage marches 
1913, you know, in 1914, I want to be where they were, you know, they were there for a reason and I want to walk in those same footsteps. And so that's what gave me purpose. And that was motivating enough to fly across country and move to Washington, D.C. And I did go with um, some friends, my boyfriend at the time, and a lot, a huge group of us from Houston went there. So we had a little bit of a village there that was very supportive uh, while we were there. It was it was pretty cool. Now, with the going with a village, um, did that take you away from being fully immersed into everything that it had to offer? Because now you have what some would call your clique, which would not allow you, especially if you had a boyfriend, it doesn't allow you to mingle and meet other guys without maybe him. Who's that? You know, did that hold you back a little bit from your experience? And did you find once that didn't happen, I don't know if your boyfriend and you broke up in college or did that then allow you to expand your horizons? You know, that's a good question. I think because going so far away, you having that uh, touch tone, having those groups of people, it was more advantageous than mm-hmm. not. So I, I think that, you know, I still explored and, and tried, stepped out and did organizations. I was so active on Howard's campus. And that was, that's what was, that's what made my experience. I mean, uh, during, I did the uh, Delta Sigma Theta step show, which is like, Renown. I mean, everybody looks for, I mean, thousands of people come from all over the country to watch Howard University's step show. It's so competitive. Mm. I did the fashion show. I was, I was a model. So I was like, oh, I got to, you know, I got to do the fashion. I was in student government and ran for office and was on e-boards. And so the stuff that we're doing now, 10, 15 years later, as an adult, I was doing it 18 and 19 and 20 years old. And so Mm. I will say I, I still pushed myself past my friend circle, but it was good. It's like a family. When you go, you have your family in your city, you can always know where to go home and where to eat, but you still go out and explore. And so it was a, a a good village to have to know that it was there, but yeah, that was only concerned, like maybe sometimes it could be a crutch. It's limiting. Yeah, it can it, be for some people but if, if you, you push if through. You allow it. Yeah, and that's why I'm glad you said what you said because others who are watching this will understand you have to push through. You have to make sure that you expand and do more things. And always they will be there. And you have to really get your friends who made the journey with you to understand I'm not abandoning you. I'm just exploring others. And you will always be special in my heart. I think once you have those conversations, whether they're uncomfortable or not, it gets them to understand, actually feel a little bit more better about not losing you because they don't want to lose the energetic Britney. They want to lose that person. The bubbly one is like fun to be around. They can, it can cause you to, um, you know, for them to be a little jealous and because of the time that they're not with you, you know? So. No, that's a good point. That's a really good point. You have to, I think at the big, the end of the day, the word that I'm probably going to say a lot today is balance. It's Mm. all about balance. It's about, you know, friends understanding. I say my, to this day, my best friends from high school are still my best friends and I don't see them very often, but we were texting today. She was just asking me about, you know, advice for one a date that she's going on or, you know, for I'm, I'm really close. I'm really, let's just put it like this. Friendships are like family and I'm really particular with the people that I let in my friend circle. Iron sharpens iron. And when you know that this group of people got your back, they're going to hold you accountable. I mean, you don't need to have 20 of those. You don't need to have 10 of those. 
you need your solid core group of friends. That's right. And I think that that's what's important. And they know, hey, go out there, just like your family, go out there and flourish. Come back, report to me about what happened. How was it? And everybody has their, they're doing their own thing. And that's another thing. Mm. If your friends, they're not going to be worried because they're doing their own thing. Yeah, they're they're running their own organizations. They're on their own path. They're, maybe they're an engineer and you're a journalist or they're in business. So they, you know, I think it's important to have a diverse group of friends, but they're not going to be jealous or questioning you and your whereabouts because they're busy just like you. Mm-hmm. Brittany, okay, so this is something that we really try to uncover in every episode. And actually, in our last episode, we talked about cutting off people moving forward in 2023. <laughs> yeah. And so when I was hearing you talking about the balance and knowing you for some time now, you're also an individual, which I appreciate so much. You have that balance, but you also have boundaries. And you make it very known, like, this is what it is right now. Like, can we rock together? And so how has that influenced you and your core group moving forward? Because not a lot of people understand that like, hey, man, you can't give me a call. But they're not looking at Britney's schedule. Only Britney gets to see that. And so I remember we were putting on an event and we're going to have some future events uh, coming up, working together soon for Rise to It. But your schedule is bonkers. And so for a lot of people, they don't quite understand that. And so what have you done over the years? Maybe it was that little Brittany in elementary, moving forward to college, being that leader. That's all I'm hearing is just leadership through elementary to college. And then now it's present, right? It's, it's there. What have you done to help you personally and professionally to set those boundaries? Mm, y'all, that B word is so hard. <laughs> boundaries boundaries, uh, it's, it's a hard thing because, uh, what I don't share is I'm a really nice person. And I, while you see this like boss babe, this leader, <laughs> all of these like words and terms and phrases, but like, I still love people and I want people to feel good and feel good about themselves. And so I think it's, that's why boundaries become is a hard thing. So I think for the most for, if I could give advice to anybody I, and to myself on a daily basis, it's just be direct and honest. Mm. Be open and honest and, and transparent. I used to say it was like, I think the term was like hot. It was like uh, open, honest, transparent. I forgot what the H stood for. But ultimately, you know, humble. That was it. Humble, mm. open, and transparent. And I think with, when it comes to your friend circle or your or even family members, mm-hmm, y'all, like, mm-hmm. You know, I talk to my family members almost every day. My mom, I mean, we, t- we were like best friends. We talk about everything. She's constantly encouraging me. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I think it, it the boundary setting is knowing, like they say, when you're on the plane, put your mask on first before, even if you have a baby in your arm on the plane, you got to put mm-hmm. your mask on first so you can be present for people. So I have to recharge often. And my recharge looks like meditation, prayer, maybe going for a run, yoga, um, maybe even just like, you know, listening to music, (laughs) sitting down and watching a funny Netflix, watching Kevin Hart or something like that. You know, (laughs) I think you have to recharge so that you can give to people. And that's what it's all about. Like, I think people who sit at home all day and just worry about themselves, you look up one day and you're like, dang, why don't I have the quality friends? Because you're only investing in yourself. So it goes back to that balance. Once you're recharged, now go help somebody else. Call a friend that you've been thinking about. You know, call that family member who 
maybe was sick or call your great aunt who just lo- maybe is lonely at home and just needs to hear from somebody, you know? And I think it's like the, at the end of the day, I just like to say like, it's not about you. I've always been taught like, it's not about you. Like recharge, but go give back. And so when people have all of these problems that they're going through, it's like sometimes the best way to get out your own problems is to get out of your own head. And so get out of your head, go, you know, recharge yourself, but just go be able to just step out and, and, and in a place of gratitude and maybe focus your attention, not so much on yourself, but then eventually on other people. Love that. I got to give you one of these. Hey. That was hitting bars right there. Bars right there. We did bars. not even plan this. I was just off the top. Brittany spins some mad knowledge right now. So going back to college, having that leadership and having those leadership qualities, when did you decide hmm, news journalism is something that I want to pursue? Mm, there were some multiple times. So another quality about me, I'm a little stubborn and even with myself and it's sometimes there are signs there and I still am just like, no, I want to do it this way. Um, so that's probably like my uh, not so good quality. And I say that to say I people have been instilling news and TV in me at an early age. I was that kid, like I told you. Saying speeches, saying mm. the 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 updates, the new you know in in the church bulletin. bulletin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are in the church bulletin. That was you. That was me. <laughs> Most kids don't want to do that. Most kids don't. I was eager to be in front of the church reading the church bulletin. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it was, and so um, people would come like you. You're gonna be a a news anchor one day, you're going to be a news reporter. Mm. And I'd be like, okay. Cause I was still interested in theater, theater and film. That was my big thing. And so when I actually got to Howard, a little secret, I was a film major in a theater minor. And I joined a club. I was a part of Howard university film organization. And we had done a 48 hour film contest or something like that. And, And I looked and I noticed all that went into film. And I was like, Mm. this isn't me. And and honestly, all my friends that were in business and journalism and engineering were getting all these amazing paid internships. And I was like, but you want to be in film? Like, you know, I, I, I liked it, but I was like, do I love it? Do I love it? And I did love it, but I was like, there there weren't enough opportunities immediately for me. So maybe I was a little short-sighted because I still love film, but I would say that uh, I had to, I I eventually was like, you know, what do I want to do? My best friend was in journalism. A lot of my friends were in journalism. They were getting these cool internships. And then I looked up and I was like, you know what? I love writing. I love being on cam and bringing that energy. And more than anything, I love news. I love being in the know. I love being the first person to know mm. something, right? <laughs> right? And and I grew up in watching TV every day, watching the news every day with my family. And so it was at that point, it was a no-brainer. It was like kind of all the stars aligned. And I was like, let me switch my major from film to journalism. And I did that. And the rest is history. Well, good for you. And that's one thing about, you mentioned filmmaking and things of that nature. You have young kids now who are with their phones creating and they're not going to film school and they're getting deals 
They're getting YouTube deals. They're getting deals on, you know, Apple TV. They're getting deals and they're actually making content. And you could have wasted a lot of time for something that a lot of people, and I won't say wasted, but you could have went a longer route to do it when uh, you have the the youth of today have kind of like skated past a lot of that. One thing about what you did do, journalism, they can't Google that. They cannot grasp the part of that and honestly come across as a true journalist. We see everyone has like, okay, they have a podcast. And you can see some and you can just see the inexperience and they're like, they're all over the place. It's not set up and it's just not really good content to watch, to learn from. But they're getting millions of looks, but they're not getting millions of repeat in a lot of cases, it's like they come I'm out done. and they're using a lot of the, the fame that they have from other things to kind of branch off. And that, you know, and I applaud anybody who's doing it, Absolutely. you know, hey, go get yours. But at the same time, what you did do takes a certain kind of intellect and intelligence to be able to do. And uh, a lot of people won't be able to, to duplicate that. So I think you made a, a wise decision. And I think at the end of the day, you are capable of doing it. Man, social media, you guys, is so powerful. And people, what you were mentioning, anybody can take a, their camera on their phone. Issa Rae did it. Issa, mm-hmm. You know Issa Rae. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, Insecure. She did it with Awkward Black Girl yes. back in the day on YouTube. I was in a YouTube series, too. Like, people can take their cell phones and create content. But, again, those people who want to go and get a journalist degree and be able to say, hey, have that piece of paper and that experience and those interns, because a lot of these mm-hmm. internships, like I'll tell you, like internships, even at our TV station, you know, these are creme de la creme, top of the top students from like Fresno yeah. State yeah, that are yeah. coming, you know, that can really walk on the job that day, but they still need that experience. So uh, the degree, the degree and the experience and learning from your professor and that is unmatched. But yeah, anyone can on, on the flip side, anyone can pick up their cell phone and start creating content. And so, yeah, I think the power of social media and the power that you have in your hand is it's it's unmatched. Mm -hmm. Creating misconceptions is kind of what we're talking about in social media. You're thinking this person can be we've had an episode on that, you know, of uh, show me the receipts. All right. You've done stand up comedy. How many comedy clubs have you been to? You're funny on this one Instagram video or TikTok. But can you do a 20, 30 minute, 40 minute? I mean, I've seen Dre do an hour and a half set. Right. And that's years and years of experience. But what are some of the misconceptions about news, people in news, reporters, or the people behind the scenes? What are some things that you could bring to our viewers that are kind of the behind the scenes? Man, it's not glamorous, y'all. That's the first thing. <laughs> you hearing that, yes. It uh, is not glamorous. I think we're almost trained to and paid to make it look that way. And I think that goes for a lot of professions. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like even you think about a doctor or a lawyer, you know, no – I'm going to just back up a little bit. When you look at lawyers, you don't see how many hours they're yes. reading and documents in preparation to the litigation and to that court case, you know, or mm. doctor. You don't see how they sacrificed 10 to 15 years of their life before even having their doing their first surgery, Preach. you know. And so I think when it comes to journalists, it's no different. You know, you don't see um, us working, you know, to, for me, for example, like the contacts I have in the community and being able to have my phone on loud whenever someone wants to call me to pitch a story idea to me when I'm tired and I don't want to talk and work is over, mm-hmm. but I'm still a community person. I'm still a community leader. And therefore 
I, I'm going to pick up my phone and I'm going to be responsive to people in the community and waking up, being in the know, what's going on around me, what's, you know, being up to date with current events. When you see the news, that's because people like us are pitching that story to be on air. In other words, we don't just go to sleep and wake up and go to work. No, we're looking what's happening, what's going on around us, who, where, when, where, why, you know? And then on top of that, you people don't see how back before I got started here in Fresno, I was in what was called a multimedia journalist. I was carrying, not only pitching my story, I had to go carry, lug my 40-pound tripod, mm-hmm. wow. you know, my 20-pound camera, set up my interviews, do my interviews, write my story, go back, edit my story, then set up my live unit to jump in front of the camera. Oh yeah, let me go actually fix my hair and makeup too. Mm-hmm. That's like 30 seconds of my day. To be realistic, maybe four minutes of my day is hair and makeup and I'm doing it myself. So people think, oh, she's on TV. That's so amazing. You're a <laughs> local celebrity, but it's like, you got a stylist. You got everything. Oh, you got, you got a, a wardrobe sty- lady. Yeah, <laughs> like, Stylist in, in Fresno thought that I had a budget for my hair. No, guys, this is my money. This is me. This is, this is a job. This is a passion. This is work that happens to be in front of the camera to tell the masses about stuff. But there's just so much into it. So I tell people, if you're getting into it for the wrong reasons, if you think it's just glamour, I'm like, baby, you're wrong. It's temporary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like that. When I hear about your schedule and I've seen your schedule, Brittany, you've been blessed. I mean, immediately we had deep conversations. It was Absolutely. like, hey, man, how you doing? And then we're just talking about life, you know, and future goals and the ambition that we both have. I'm hearing a lot of work and a lot of work can lead to burnout. It can lead to those mental health issues that all of us, whether it's the students that are watching this or the grown, grown adults, mental health affects everyone. How do you deal with the negativity that could go on? Because people see you and people will have opinions and it's easier said than done when you're like, "Ah, I don't care what people think, but to have it over and over every single day, you know, um, how do you deal with those, maybe those comments? Yeah, guys, that's tough. You know, you got to have thick skin. It's it, it, I got here and I had immediately, uh, um, I had, uh, you can say haters or you can call them whatever you want to call them. The naysayers maybe mm-hmm. on social media that just, they're not on my, they're not on my team. They don't want to see me here, whether it's because of my views, what they think are my political views, maybe how my hair looks. One lady said that, you know, tell the news right, but your lashes are too long. Like, you know, they're just people, maybe they don't like my skin color. Maybe they don't. People don't know you enough to like you. So if they're like coming for you on social media, I try to just like block that out. But ultimately, I think before you get into this industry, you have to have a really solid foundation about who you are, who you are and and, you know, where you come from. And and that has to be solid because if you if people are constantly like naysaying against you, Dr. H, like you start thinking like, am I those things Am I, you know, am I who they say I am? Like, and and I think that starts to weigh in on you. And so when I say mental health is so important, and I, it, this year has been very, very trying for me. I had a, a friend of mine um, in my last market in Illinois. I found out, you know, she committed suicide. And 
you know, that's a whole nother conversation that we can have about mental health. I, and I thought I was okay. And I kept going to work and I was doing stories and it, I had a breakdown and I had to immediately fly. I've never actually never told publicly anyone this story, but I had to, I got a $600 ticket to Houston. It was so expensive. And I just put it on my credit card. My family was like, come ASAP because they knew something wasn't right. They knew I wasn't feeling myself. And I never experienced anything like that before. And I think that, you know, you don't know how much you're dealing with until something just breaks one day. It's like a chair you're sitting in. You hear the wobble, but you can sit in it. And then one day you're just flat on your butt, you know, (laughs) because, you know, and, and that's kind of how your mind is. And I think it's so important to be real with yourself and to take those breaks to take that personal, that person, take that personal. If you're watching this, take that personal day. Yes. yes. Take yeah. that day. Go run. Go eat ice cream or mm-hmm. go get your favorite smoothie or go to the movies by yourself. Go shopping. Go do whatever it takes to get you back on track. And I think mental health is just, I know we're in a season of talking about mental health a lot, but yeah. just don't take it for granted. Well, because you said something even before we started this uh podcast, you mentioned, um, yeah, let me do this now because I know me. And that's so important that we know ourselves and what you knew about yourself, you wasn't right. You need to get around the people who are going to be able to help you get right. You know, so, and that's a big thing I would say to anyone who's watching this podcast. You, you say you know yourself, but are you moving in a direction of knowing yourself? Do you constantly say, I know me, but you find yourself on the wrong side of it? You find yourself, like you said, I know me. Here, take a picture because I'll forget. So they took the picture. Now, if you said, I know me, t- no, don't worry about it. I'll remember. And you didn't take the picture. You don't really know you. So people think they know them, but your actions will tell you otherwise. So you have to be understanding of who you are and also see the signs. Like, I know me in a lot of different ways. So I can make the adjustments because I know me. For me, I know I'm I'm thick skinned when it comes to the comments. You know, I remember I first came to Fresno, someone said, Sky on the radio, trying to be Eddie Murphy. I was like, <laughs> the most popular comic uh almost ever, one of the richest dudes. Yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah, right, I'm trying right, to be Eddie Murphy, right. you know. But at the same time, I didn't let that bother me. I went back and hit him with that. Well, who wouldn't want to be like the box office, you know, guru doing all this, doing all that, you know, without some of the other problems, but yet and still in the world of entertainment. So you have to be able to, I think, take it in, understand what they're saying. Is that a diss or is that something that, Hey, I'm really striving to have those kind of goals and achieve those kind of achievements. You know, then you just get a golden globe lifetime achievement award, you know? So things like that would bother some people. It wouldn't bother me because I know me. So kind of know yourself, know what, and if it does bother you, then address it. Why does it bother you? You know, asking yourself those hard questions. Yeah. And that, what does that require? It requires you stopping, getting off of social media, stop saying yes to every outing. You got to stay home. You got to stay, spend time with yourself, date yourself, know what, like, know what you like, you know? And I think that's a, that's the thing. We want to go, go, go instant gratification. Let's, let's be, you know, I have FOMO, fear of missing out. I got to be at this party. I got to be at this event, which I'm a hundred percent guilty of, but no, you got to slow it down. Yeah. On occasion. Yeah. It goes back to that balance to know yourself. Boundaries too. And you guys, both, both of you really highlighted the man, take a day off. 
we were in this hustle, hustle culture. And I will tell you, I'm guilty of this. I used to tell myself mentally, I used to tell my students, you got to grind 24 seven. Now that I'm a little bit older, that's not my mentality anymore. Like you could grind, but you also have to relax, be with your family, be with people who lift you up and, and have that constantly feed you. Otherwise, that burnout is very, very real. So when you're talking about mental health, man, I totally re- resonate with that message. And I know our viewers do. But Brittany, I, when I think of you, I think of like a very, very strong woman. Like you know what you want. And if it's not that, you're going to let someone know. And you're going to make the adjustments yourself. You're very self-aware. Where did those traits come from? Was it your parents? Were there certain individuals in your family, your clique of friends in Texas? Where did that come from? Oh, my mom, my mom, my grandparents, my family, like uh, all the above. I am so fortunate to have such a strong mother. And to be and to be honest, like my parents divorced at an early age. And I think even growing up in a household where you see a mother who knows balance herself, she was the Girl Scout troop leader. She was also a boss on her job. You know, she was also, you know, a woman of God in church. You know, she, but then she was also at all of my piano and dance recitals. And so my mom, you know, and even to this day, I was talking to her on the way up here. Like, I think that, uh, and and Andre got a chance to meet her on a plane, you know, (laughs) she came to visit me here and, 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 um, that's the type of person she is. She's just going to talk to multiple people and inspire and encourage at every opportunity. So like they say, the hat, the, the fruit don't fall too far from the tree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so true. And she gets it from my grandmother and my grandmother, who's very pivotal in my life. She's like my best friend, you know, um, These are women who are truly selfless, who put their family first and and their careers second. And and I think that I just want to be able to fill those shoes. You mentioned your mom. Yeah, and I did meet your mom on the plane. And I tell you, your mom is very, very proud of you. She was just bragging about you. You you got to know my daughter. I was like, oh, God. Well. <laughs> and then she said, I started to mess with your mom. I started when she said, I was like, Britt, we've been dating for about six months. She ain't, she ain't told you. Like, I started to, but she, you know, she's, she's real, she's kind of deadpan. You know, she's like serious. She's serious. She's serious. So I kind of like, maybe I, she ain't the one. She ain't the one to be joking maybe with her daughter. Maybe the next time around. Next time, the second, yeah. You got to get her the second time. Yeah. But we, we just, you know, talked about, you know, a few things we had, you know, it's just small conversation and talking and uh i can see where you're right the apple doesn't fall far from the tree but she's very proud of what you're doing what you've accomplished you know she's like you know like my mother i was so whenever i run into people who met my mom she goes yeah your mom was talking about you for like 15 20 minutes that's the same thing you know (laughs) and it's a good thing like i don't know anything about your mom she did not talk about herself at all she talked about you you know, and that's like, you know, you can tell when people are invested, you know, in their kids. So that was, that was a good thing. That was a good thing. Hey, I'm not lying, y'all. Yeah. I hope y'all get a chance to meet her again. She's an amazing woman. And and I think that, you know, again, it's just a matter. I, I want to be a mother like that. And it's, it's tough because when you have a job, you're a single mom, like, you know, where do you put your attention toward? I can imagine now that I'm in my 30s and I'm you know, uh, eventually when I have my own kids, like I can imagine like, where do I, what do I, do I cook? Do I, you know, talk to my kid? Do I have them at home? I, I, but she 
all the above. I don't know how, but I know <laughs> that one day when I do have the privilege of having children, like I want to be like that. I want to be like that. And again, I'm going to always say it's balance. It's balance. Is maybe not you're doing, you're not doing everything at a hundred percent, but maybe I'm going to give it like 40 today, maybe 70 the next day, you know? So it feels overall accumulatively like, oh, it felt like she was, there 100%, but really she was just doing the best she probably could at the time. And I will point a little bit of advice because I know, you know, having, you know, three kids myself and understand I have one who's 24 and you, you talk to your kids, you give them advice, life lessons, and you just look at them. They're not listening. You feel like you're not, you hearing me? And they're just like, they said, dad looking ahead. And now my oldest daughter, she starts off conversations and she'll say, dad, just like you told me back when it just happened. I moved because I remember what you said. And those things like are so good. It was resonating. She was actually, I got nothing back from him at that time. But now I'm hearing I was listening to you. And then my youngest daughter, I was in the car with her and she likes to get in the car and she doesn't say much. I go, you know, sometimes I would love for you to to talk back with me because I feel like I'm telling you all these stories about life. And she goes, dad, I just like listening to you. Wow. So I was like, okay, she was going to, she's going to yeah, fall in her sister's footsteps. She's going to be calling me and she'll be telling me the same thing. So wow. you have, but my son, he's got, he's got a thousand questions. I say something to him. He's got, <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, this dude, I, ain't, I don't know if he's listening or yeah. he just wants to have his own agenda. It's just a different variation uh, from my daughters to my son. But, um, I think with a father, sometimes it's a different different kind of connect, but it's still a special bond, you know? So you want to be able to, like, make your mark. Because I want to hear my kids say, my dad and my mom had a big influence. My dad was good at this. My mom was good at that. So that would be something that you would want to make sure that they have a positive male influence in their yeah. life as well. You oh, know? 100%. Yeah. And I even say, like, with my dad, he was... Uh, while he maybe wasn't around as much, he was, he still taught me the lessons that I, like my street smart came from him. So, you know, it, don't count your parents out, even though, you know, like, like I said, they're divorced and some kids may be like, I'm so mad at my dad or I'm so mad at my parents or it's like, they're human. They're human people. And I actually had to go through therapy and like, again, mental health therapy to get over that hump. But like, he's human. And so therefore, I look back, I'm like, golly, I know so much. I have so much street smarts because of my dad. And so, um, and while they divorced and while that, of course, hurt me as a young kid, I think you use that. You use that. I, I feel like I use that for who I am today. That And just one thing that you mentioned earlier, I think it's so important to plant the seed in kids. My mom, and now I can, I'm, obviously this is my mom's show now. Let's do it. But no, she, um, she, this is for parents and for kids, you know, whoever may be listening and watching, the power of the tongue is what she always tells me. You And it's biblical, you know, in the seeds that you plant in your kids. My mom would always say, Britt, you are so smart. Get it, girl. Or, man, you are a beautiful young lady. Like, just those planting those seeds and, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to make good decisions today. Like, those seeds that you plant and the positive affirmations start at an early age, period. Yes. 
Just like when some parents say, you're no good, you're never going to amount to nothing. Hello? Be careful with that yeah. because you're setting that kid up for something he can actually believe. And he won't have any choice but to think that because, and even when he gets in trouble, he'll be like, I knew it was going to happen because my mother always told me or my right. father always told me I wasn't going to amount to anything. So be careful with the words that you use are very powerful. It's that self-fulfilling prophecy, man, for sure. Absolutely. Frankie was actually, he's behind the camera today, but our brother in their last episode was talking about having that fear, which is normal for, I think, everyone, but also just having that just do it, that Nike, just do it, that go-getter attitude. And so for you taking that risk to go across the country from not only just Houston to D.C., but now D.C., back to the West Coast and California, which you really didn't know a lot of people to take on this career— what would you suggest? What would you advise to a lot of our listeners to get out of their comfort zone? Oh, my goodness. Um, that's a good question because I feel like it's not even advice. It's something that has to be in you. You know, it, I look at my friends who stayed and while they're very, very successful, you know, they knew themselves going back to knowing yourself. Mm. I knew I had that itch. I knew that I, I'm the type of person I like a challenge. So therefore I knew that even when things were hard, that I could still push through. I knew that I could be away from family and, and survive because I go and visit family at least four times a year. They're coming to visit me, you know? And so my advice to someone who wants to take that leap of faith is you'll never know until you try, one. And two, like I always ask myself, where's the regret? Somebody told me this once before, and it, it really, when I when I pray and I think about it, I'm like, you know, one, where can God get the glory? But two, where's the regret? So when I look at a situation moving to California, I was like, I don't know anybody. I've never lived there. I've never worked for this company no friends, no family, can God get the glory in this situation? Because if I actually get to Fresno and I do well, that means that it wasn't on my own fruition. Yeah, I showed up, but honestly, in that moment, like those moments, God pulled me through. And at the end of the day, that's where he gets the glory. And so I say, the bigger the dream, it's like the more, you know, you're allowing God to move in your life. And so, you know, now people are afraid to talk their spiritual life, but that's my truth, you know. And so I think that's what's important is, and, and then you look at it, if you're maybe not a spiritual person, um, you know, where's your regret? Is your regret not being on the other side of being, you know, being in Fresno, being in that new city, being in Miami, being in Chicago, mm -hmm. and then being like, dang, I regret moving to Chicago because I regret moving to Texas. No, you're going to probably be like, man, I don't like the heat in Texas. I don't like it being as muggy <laughs> as, but you know what? I'm so glad I came to try this out. And, and if anything, it's a lesson learned. Right. So I think, yeah, like, like, uh, Steve Harvey say, you got to jump. Yes. Y'all you heard that, that oh, one yeah, before? Yeah, that, yes. You got you to gotta jump. Your wings, they will form. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? They <laughs> will, you'll figure it out. That's my thought. That's great. Brittany, I know we had a conversation. And my parents are both here. We're talking about strong individuals. I mean, these are my pillars right here. So yes. um, I know you were talking about them and the news in general. I mean, it can be depressing. Let's just be honest. There's so much sadness and melancholy feelings that go into the news all the time. But perhaps you have a story that you could pull out and you're like, you know what? But this story specifically will always make me smile. 
What is that story for Brittany Jacob? When I think about, geez, there's so many of those stories. But I would say a news story that that makes me smile, that gives me my why, my purpose. There was a, it, the one that probably stands out the most was when I was living in Illinois. By the way, this was Carbondale, Illinois. And this was the middle. Of, our station was based also in Missouri, Cape Girardeau, Missouri. And I'm saying, I'm looking at you guys' faces because y'all have probably never even heard no, of these towns. That? <laughs> That's another thing you got to do when you do journalism. You got to go to these small markets to start out. And so, um, and of course, I had friends. I was like, Brittany, you are posh. You know, you are just very much so a diva and just... you. Uh, they knew the lifestyle that I loved and the lifestyle I lived in Washington, D.C. And they're like, are you going to be able to go to the sticks? You know, are you going to be able to go out there where you, there's not even an airport, a major airport? And I was like, y'all, this is like, don't I've already talked myself up the hill. Don't talk me down. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm setting up the story to say that, uh, you know, the these towns are small and they can be discouraging, but there's always a silver lining that it was beautiful people in the town. So supportive, definitely uh, polarizing politics there. And so I got to mm-hmm. learn a little bit about a lot of Trump supporters and got to learn a little about, uh, about people who were um, on the the left side. And so I, I, I say that to say, so there was this one story that I had. Um, it was breaking news and it was a missing seven year old girl. And I, um, I told my boss, I was like, Hey, and there's, there's a missing seven year old. And we don't always cover I mean, just depending on some situations, we try to get as much coverage as we can, you know, but this one was like, people knew this girl, they had just seen her like, and she was special needs and, and had special needs. And, and, and so we jumped on it. And I, when I say we we started blasting it on TV, you know, who the picture of this girl, we started talking to her teachers, her parents were, her mom was frantic and, and, and we ended up um, doing interviews, exclusive interviews with the mom and just describing her. You guys look at your video camera on your, you know, your homes or telling people, their neighbors, everyone look at your camera. When I say the entire community in 24 hours got together to go and search for this girl, even the journalists were like, everybody was on the foot searching every square mile of this town. And um, and we were standing by with everything. And I'll never forget, um, by the, it's close to the end of the day, I see the ambulance driving through this like um, deserted field. What did I do, y'all? I took off with my cell phone and in my dress, my hair was still popped in my sneakers and I'd chase the ambulance down. I was like, you know, I want to be either there for whatever they're about to tell me. Long story short, they found the girl and she took her to the, took her to the hospital. She was in the middle of a field, how she got there. None of us still know to this day. And um, whether it was some type of foul play or whether she just wandered there herself but that story is so special to me because I didn't think about myself in that moment. I just took out. I think everybody just did what they needed to do. The community rallied behind that family and the media pushed every alert that they could. And to me, that's what this industry is about. 
It is about just doing it, jumping into action and community. And then I, I think, of course, and it was a good story, but when I tell you to see that mother's face to have her daughter back, because there's so many stories that don't end like up like that. Dr. H, there's so many stories that end so so tragic. And to be able to just know that you, what you do matters and and that she's able to be reunited and reconnected with her mom forever. I'm like getting trembles telling you because it's just, it's so powerful. And I think that makes me smile because, you know, it living in the middle of nowhere, doing what I did, it, journalism and 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 just jumping into action and making sure that the community knows about what's going on to help that mom find her daughter. You're in a you're in a small community, you jump into action. Where do you work now? Fresno, California. And what what station again? I work for ABC thirty. And what word do they have on there a lot on taking action together? There it is. Come on with it. Right, 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 right. My boss will like that one. That's pretty sweet. Put that on the next commercial right there. Yes, sir. Taking action, y'all. That's what it's about. We're not here in this life, this one life we gotta live to just sit down and let time pass us. You gotta be like you gotta be on fire for something. Let's go. Let's go. Action is full circle. Full circle. Yes. Came all the way around. Rise to <laughs> it. Take action or rise to it. One of the two. Choose. Choose. Let's do both. Let's do both. Dre, I think it is time. You know what I think it's time for? What do you think? Yeah, I think it's time for the lightning round. All right. Lightning, lightning round. Question. So, Dre, if you yeah. want to kick it off, go ahead and uh, give Miss Brittany Jacob the explanation on the lightning round. Lightning round. Okay, you'll have roughly around 30 seconds or so to answer these questions. I have five questions. Uh, Dr. H will have five. You want me to get my five first? You want me to do a couple? Um, you do a couple? Do your five? 30 seconds, okay. guys? Let's do 30 seconds. And then mine, I'm going to have about seven, eight. I know Mia May has some questions. Frankie has some questions. DJ Sal couldn't be here. He's on vacation. He's living the life living right now. Living the life. DJ Sal couldn't make but he had a question So uh, mine are going to be Extremely fast But Dre's going to be A little bit more uh, Where you can marinate it's Per on question 30 seconds per question Oh okay. Guys I was like Guys I'm doing the math Like 30 <laughs> seconds yes. Five questions Six seconds each <laughs> Alright Brittany Here we go um, We talked about this uh, the, the kids plan Down the road Life partner kids plan uh, Is there a time frame? Um, in God's timing, but hopefully sooner rather than later. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, question number two, dream job. Although you love what you do now, if you had the dream job, mm. what would that be? Y'all, this one's hard. Okay. Either getting back on my acting chops and doing the acting thing or a TV executive. Okay. All right. Which brings us to question number three. If you had a choice, would you be CEO, owner, or president of a company? Ooh, I think that I would be always the owner. Okay. Ownership is so important. <laughs> yes. Okay. Question number four. Uh, must-haves when you go to the movies. I got to have these couple items. Ooh, okay. I love Raisinets, guys. Some old school stuff. Okay, Raisinets. I like Raisinets. You're cracking over there on that one. I got to have my Raisinets. And I I love like movie theater hot dogs and nachos. I like, give me the food. Forget the the, the candy. Give me the food. So either a hot dog, some nachos, and some Raisinets and a drink. Yeah, eating healthy. Okay, all right. (laughs) And last question for you, Brittany. Uh, Where would you love to spend a week 
just one week, you can just go there and just kick it for just one week. Can I have two, please? Give yourself two. Okay. I say either Spain or Africa. Okay. There's so many places in Africa, so I'm not even going to say any specific place, but I would love to visit South Africa, West Africa. Oh, my goodness. Morocco, Tanzania. So Africa and Spain has always been on my bucket list. Okay. I've been to Africa. I haven't been to Spain yet. That's on the list as well. Okay. Well, there you have it. You have completed Dre's <laughs> lightning round. Dre's lightning round. Dre's lightning round. Excellent. These are going to go a lot faster, okay? And oh. we had some uh, collaboration. We got some special guests in the house, so they wanted to ask a question. One of our guests, our family, our brother from another mother, he's on vacation right now, but he did have a musical question. So he goes, you got to make sure to ask Brittany a musical question. So here we go. He's going to go fast. Temptations or the Supremes? <laughs> Temptations. <laughs> Ooh, that's tough. Favorite that's Netflix tough. show to watch? Oh, um, Netflix show. I'm watching... Um, Scrat, what is it called? Scram, cheese. It's I like ro- romance. Let's just say general genre. I like I'm like rom com romance. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Who's Brittany Jacobs' celebrity crush? Ooh, Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. All right, all right. Get okay. in line. Get in line. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Brittany Jacobs' ultimate turn on, but it can't be physical. Is there? A turn on that's not physical. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding, kidding. Ultimate turn on. Oh my gosh, smile. Your smiling personality. Like that's that gets me every time. There we go. Tacos or burgers from Frankie Liao. Tacos or burgers? Tacos all day. He also <laughs> wanted to know anchor or reporter. Which one do you prefer? Ooh, y'all are giving me the hard ones. I say I Anchor. I'll have my hands on all the stories. I like it. I like it. This one comes from the daughter, so we're keeping it in the Liao household. Mia May. Check her out. M-I-A-M-E-I. Love her. She wanted to know, teleport, if you have the superhero power, to teleport or to fly? Ooh. You know what? I get, I'm always for the scenic route. Let's fly. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. West Coast or East Coast? Y'all, don't do this to me. They, <laughs> they're going to hear me from the other side and be so bad, but I'm going to go... Because we're here. I'm going to go with the West go Coast. With West, West Coast. There you go. <laughs> that sunshine. That sunshine. And Brittany, we could take a little bit of time on this one, marinate a little bit. But okay. what's a powerful message that you have for all the women watching? That's a big one. Um, powerful message. Jeez, there's so many. Um, I would say put your, you know what? You got to be able to um, put your mask on and take care of yourself. But don't forget about helping others because that's what we're all here to do is to be able to love on your neighbor, help other people, think outside of yourself. But you have to take care of yourself first. There you go. And Brittany, um, speaking of love, you're my sister from another mister. I got mad love for you. Our whole team does for sure. We Thank wish you, you nothing you but the very no best. Doubt. Moving on to 2023. And beyond. I and love it. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode. I love it. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, y'all. You've seen it. Brittany Jacob, make sure to give her a follow. All right, family. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of the Rise to It podcast. Two fingers spread. Try your best to stay positive. And as always, if you can rise to it, you, you can, can rise, rise through, through it. it. Love it. 